Hour number two underway now, 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. We, uh, we're going to forego the traditional Reagan Open to the top of the hour here because we have got to catch up just a little bit. It's the 15th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2020, in what I believe to be the pivotal year, honestly, of the current and future history of this country. Uh, we're at a point right now where we, we are going to decide very, very quickly whether or not we believe in law and order or we believe in anarchy. If we believe in law and order, we have, order, we have a chance to save our republic. If we believe in anarchy, it is going to be gone. We will become a globalist nation, borderless, borderless uh, with a loss of sovereignty. If you think I'm kidding, if you think I'm exaggerating, if you think this is being melodramatic, then you are not paying attention. Law and order is literally the only thing that separates us from... I won't even name the countries. You know the country, kind of countries I'm talking about. Joining us now to talk about law and order are two uh, strong law and order guys. Gary Wolski is the president of the Ohio Fraternal Order of Police. He is joined now by the immediate past president of the Ohio Fraternal Order of Police and current Ohio FOP legislative chair, uh, Jay McDonald. Uh, Gary and Jay, thank you both for joining us. How are you? Great. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having us, Bob. I'm lying. That's just a standard answer. Good. I'm not good. I'm not good. Our country is in a very dangerous place right now. Guys, the reason I wanted to talk to you today is I've been listening to police experts and police officers, some uh, some active and some retired, uh, talking about what happened in Atlanta, and um, I want to I wanna get your perspectives on this. Um, I understand the uh, raw emotions right now involving police officers, particularly with African-American suspects, because of what we all agree was an unjust act by a Minneapolis police officer that ended up killing uh, George Floyd. I understand that people are raw right now. However, that does not mean to my understanding, and this is the reason you guys are here, Gary, I'll start with you as the current president of the FOP, that doesn't mean that officers are not allowed to defend themselves when attacked. And from all of the videos that have been released almost immediately from the Atlanta situation at the Wendy's drive-thru, it was a peaceful arrest that was being made, a peaceful uh, implementation of the um, of the uh, uh, sobriety test. Uh, everything was peaceful until they went to handcuff the individual, and he decided he was going to resist arrest. He hit an officer, he grabbed his taser, he fled, turned around and fired the taser at an officer who re- reflexively returned fire with his, revol- with his uh, sidearm. Uh, Gary, are officers no longer allowed to defend themselves when they are the ones being attacked? That seems to be the case. But in the Georgia one, the video clearly shows the, the, the suspect running away, turning and firing the projectile, stun gun, taser at the officer. In Georgia, that type of weapon is considered a firearm. It's also a felony to have that type of weapon, which is punishable for up to five years in prison. Apparently now, people can fire weapons at police officers, and that's okay. That's wrong. It's ridiculous. They fired this guy. They want to charge him with murder. Enough's enough already, Bob. It has to end. Jay, not only did they fire that officer, the chief of police immediately resigned. I don't understand why. Can you shed any light on that? Well, I I don't know either. And I think every law enforcement officer understands and believes in uh, holding officers accountable when they do the wrong thing. However, they have every right to defend themselves. You don't get to punch me. You don't get to steal my taser. You don't get to shoot a taser at me simply because I swore an oath to protect and serve my community. And wh- why that why that chief resigned, uh, I- I'll never know. But if we change the rules of the game 
about how law enforcement officers uh, have to now subject themselves to felonious assaults, then uh, you're going to have a hard time finding people willing to put on a badge and a gun every day to keep you and I safe. Um, that is playing out before our very eyes. Um, I have a couple of stories in front of me. One of the entire SWAT SWAT team in uh, in Miami, Florida, uh, resigning their positions because they are not safe and they are not protected and they are not backed. I just read uh, an officer. Um, and I don't know his location, unfortunately, but essentially somebody whose career, law enforcement, third generation law enforcement, who said, don't worry about abolishing us, America. You won't have to. We're leaving. Um, officers across the country are quitting. Uh, they, they don't feel safe. They don't feel backed. They don't feel like they can actually respond. Uh, I just read a story prior to my last guest coming on, and I don't know if you heard it, uh, uh, gentlemen, but uh, uh, in uh, Richmond, Virginia, a police officer was responding to uh, a call, and he was trapped by protesters who attacked his vehicle and then attacked him, and they, they blocked other officers from coming to, to his aid. So they feel like every time they respond to a call, they are either walking into an ambush or they are walking into a situation where anything they do to uphold the law is going to either have them, you know, be, you know, the old adage of being carried by six or being judged by 12. Why would anybody want to keep that job? Gary, go back to you. There's no reason. I, I see that happen. We're going to see that happen more and more. If you can't even respond to a simple call about being attacked by these people or criticized and scrutinized and, and money morning quarterback on every single thing you do, like Jay said, no police officers out there looking to hurt somebody. But they're certainly going to protect themselves. Legally, they have the right to protect themselves. And society and some of the leadership in this in this country and these states and communities need to figure that out real quick. Jay McDonald, going back to you, um, let me uh, call your attention to Seattle and the what's called the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Um, they have overrun anarchists have overrun uh, a seven block area in central Seattle and a, pa- a part of what they have overrun and taken over is a police precinct. The mayor of that city seems just fine with that because it's like the summer of love, she said, and they're, they're having a big block party. The chief of police is livid and outraged and said she did not want to give that up. And in fact, she wants order restored there and the police to take over that precinct again as soon as possible. Can you ever imagine in any precinct you've ever worked in, in any department, Jay McDonald, that you've ever worked in, worked in voluntarily surrendering it to, um, to, to a band of, of, uh, unlawful people? Yeah, no, I, I can't. And quite frankly, it's it, it's not whatever uh, cross ninety eight percent of the law enforcement officers' minds of the, of the thousands and thousands that I know. For you to uh, abandon your your uh, oath that you took to protect and serve the the citizens of the of, of the city of Seattle, and to just abdicate your uh, your role in, in, in serving that community. Um, quite frankly, is unforgivable. We have a law against that in the state of Ohio. It's called dereliction of duty. I get that, Jay. I get that. But but what I what I don't understand is what are the officers to do? I mean, literally. And and this is where I'm concerned. And I just asked Congressman Jordan yeah. about this. That if this is allowed to continue in Seattle, it's going to start in other cities. There are going to be other uh, uh, precincts overrun. And what are officers supposed to do? Be derelict in their duty and not defend their you know their their station? You know the 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 actual yeah. uh, the actual building or get involved in physical altercations with those who are coming to take it over and then be, on, on, be accused of police brutality and excessive force. 
Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right, and it's not the officers who are derelict. It, it's it's the leadership who've who've abandoned their authority, and quite frankly, they put the men and women who uh, who have agreed to, uh, to to serve their community in between the proverbial rock and the hard place, and um, it, it just goes back. We we couldn't before all, all of the of this controversy of the last six weeks. We couldn't attract people to this profession to begin with. Imagine now, you are a a 22-year-old who thinks you might want to serve your community in a position, in a noble position of policing a job that's really needed, and and, and you see what's happening in Seattle, you see what's happening across the country, uh, you're, you're not coming. And uh, we were having a hard time before all this. Uh, you, know, talk- you know what has to happen? Yeah, Gary, go ahead. You know, law enforcement officers swear an oath to uphold the law. You have to follow an order unless it's unlawful. It's unlawful, like Jay said. Mm-hmm. It's unlawful not to protect your property and, and to do those things. And the problem is these politicians are so concerned with their precious re-election that they're bowing down to, to the craziness of some of these people to keep their jobs. They don't care about the law-abiding citizen that wants this stuff taken care of. These officers need to disobey that order, go back and take that place. And that's what needs to happen everywhere. These politicians are ordering people to do things that are wrong, unethical, illegal, immoral. They need to abandon those orders and do what's right. Jay, I mean, uh, Gary Wolski, since you said that, uh, let me let me ask you the same question I asked Jay. Um, what what do you tell those officers? You just said you would tell them to go back and take that place again. But what if they say to you, what's going to happen if they resist? Do I physically uh, engage them and, and, and have to, you know, uh, take them down and cuff them, restrain them, and so on? What if somebody uses, you know, potentially lethal force against me? Do I have permission to, to protect myself here? Because I fear for their their safety if they're told to go back in back in there and take the uh, retake the precinct. Bob, I think as the leader, if I'm the if I'm the law enforcement leader on the scene there, I'm going to yeah. tell my guys to do what's necessary. Start at the lowest level of force, escalate as as need be, and and by whatever means, we can't let these people take over precincts. City hall is city hall going to be next? Is is the capital going to be next? What's going to be next? This is spreading throughout the country. These, some of these, as you call them, and I agree with you, these anarchists are, are lining up to take over police stations. What yeah. else is in a place, and, and Jay can tell you, Jay's from the same size community that I'm from, 50 guys, and only probably 20% of them are working at a time. How, how can we defend a building if, if folks come in there with weapons and things, yeah. and if, if we don't do the right thing? And, and the massive numbers, the hundreds at a time in various locations. Right. You're right. That, and what do you do again without using lethal force, without pulling? Because you know, I would imagine, you know, if if in a normal situation, forget about the precinct for a second. If I'm an officer res- responding to a call and I get surrounded by ten people uh, advancing upon me, whether they have weapons or whether they just come are coming to be, I can't fight off ten people. I'm going to pull my my sidearm. I'm going to have to use my reservist revolver, right? Absolutely. And and then and then you know of course then you're going to be accused of of, of you know uh, uh, um, excessive force and and un, unreasonable use of, of of lethal force, gentlemen. I got to take a quick time out here for a break. Can you both hang with me for about four or five more minutes? I sure. Gary Wolski is the president of the Ohio FOP. Jay McDonald is the immediate past president of the Ohio FOP, and we'll be back with both of them after this. <laughs>
Okay, 1025, I've got just a few minutes left with Gary Wolski, the current Ohio president of the FOP, and uh, Jay McDonald, the immediate past president of the same organization. So, gentlemen, I'm just going to ask you, and I'll go to you first, Jay, uh, since I've been going to Gary first on this. Um, five years from now, what does policing in America look like? Given the calls for defunding, given the calls for abolition, given the Minneapolis City Council and their uh, veto-proof majority calling for the abolition of police in that city, Generally speaking, across our country or across our cities, five years from now, if you have a crystal ball, Jay McDonald, what does policing look like here? I think there'll be less officers. There'll be more crime and more danger than it's ever been before. And and the reason I I, I think uh, you know kind of thing is cyclical. We're going to enter into the cycle that we experienced after the late nineteen fifties, where we uh, led to a unprecedented crime wave that led down to the crackdown on violent crime um, in the early 90s. I I think that's where we are. Less cops, more crime, more danger. Less cops, more crime, more danger. Gary Wolski, same question to you. I think the same answer. I I think, like Jay said earlier, and, and you said, we can't find people to do this job in the best of times recently. This is certainly not the best of times. And and we're going to see that. We're going to see less equipment. We're going to see less training because there's no funding for it. And, and we're going to see crime on a rise because these criminals are empowered now. They're empowered by mayors that tell, tell these people, hey, it's okay to go over that place. It's like a love fest here. That lady should be arrested for dereliction of duty. She has an oath to the citizens of Seattle, and she's not upholding it. That chief needs to go arrest her. And they need to call the National Guard and take over that building and go back to some sense of normalcy if there is such a thing in Seattle. Um, would you advise uh, fathers of 15 to 18-year-olds today in five years to uh, uh, to uh, uh, apply for, poli- for spots in a police academy, Gary? Absolutely not. Jay? Well, it, I have sons. And I'd be very, very proud if they follow in my footsteps. I still love the job, serving the community today. But I don't know that I'd, I'd ask my, my son to follow me into this, uh, in, into this profession. Um, you know, my son was a special forces soldier who served multiple deployments. Um, and, and I wouldn't want my oldest son. And I, and I wouldn't want him uh, to follow into this because when you don't know what the rules are, you can't adequately protect yourself, and it seems that the rules are changing every day. And I have a side note comment to make, if I may. Today, the times we are in today prove all the more reason that law enforcement need to have a union to protect them. Because when you fought, when you work under the whims of a person who's prone to, to give in to activists and not protect the rights of their people, and the only people standing up for them are the unions like the FOP, it's all the more reason why law enforcement officers need somebody to have their back. Gary, and, uh, that, Jay, Jay that's a very that. important point, Jay. And, Gary, let me ask you to wrap this conversation up, though. Um, uh, how, how can we count on the unions? Because they are the ones who are being attacked as much as anything. Because the activists are screaming that the unions make it too hard to fire bad cops. They're claiming that the union unions are the reason why uh, guys like Chauvin, who, the one who actually killed George Floyd with that ridiculous kneel uh, on his neck, they're saying that unions fight to get guys like him his job back. So now what? 
No, we fight for the rights of the employees, of our members, and the problem with these things are the cities, the administrators. Arbitrators don't want to give bad cops their jobs back, just like we don't want to see bad cops get their jobs back. But when cities and administrators fail to give officers their due process, that's what arbitrators do when they give people their jobs back. They say, Mr. Mayor, Ms. Mayor, you failed to give that officer his due process. You didn't cross all the T's and dot all the I's, and therefore I have to give that officer his job back. That's why they get their jobs back, not because it's, they think it's right to kill somebody or use excessive force on somebody because they failed to do what they needed to do to properly ensure that the officer was removed from the job. Gary Wolski. Protect those rights. No, I get it. I, I can't imagine wanting to do this job at all, like I asked you both a moment ago. And if you are going to do this job, you doggone well better have union protection because uh, obviously there are the, uh, people in positions of power above you, particularly in City Hall uh, or the mayor's office, they are not going to defend or have your back. They're always going to cover their own rather than protect yours. Um, Gary Wolski, FOP, Ohio FOP president, and Jay McDonald, immediate past president, thank you both for speaking out and, uh, and telling the truth about what's going on out there as hard as it is for all of us to hear we are in from in for some dark times ahead and uh, i appreciate you both thank you bob thank you for having us it's 10 31 uh we'll get news and we'll come back and take your phone calls on 8 14 20 the answer you know um I said something going into a break in hour number one. If you weren't here, I'll try to set it up. Uh, If you were here, you heard it. I I said, when the police are gone, paraphrasing myself, when the police are gone, as I believe they're going to be, as they are promising they are going to be, as they are carrying it out, as I mentioned uh, uh, earlier, um, Police officers are leaving the force. They're saying, you don't have to abolish us. Don't worry. We're going. The entire Miami, I'm sorry, not Miami, Hallandale Beach. It's near Miami. I guess it's South Florida. Officers of the Hallandale Beach Police Department were so angered by what is going on here, including their own chief kneeling to show solidarity with Black Lives Matter that are attacking police. They have resigned from their SWAT duties. The officers did not resign completely from the force and say they will stay on duty for now, but they have resigned from SWAT. So all SWAT duty members are gone. There will not be a SWAT team in that city any longer. I read to you earlier the um, very emotional essay from a police officer who is leaving the force and who no longer wants his child to be a fourth-generation police officer. They're leaving, and when I said what I said going into that break in hour one was, I said, when the police are gone, then we'll see which lives really matter. And if you were scratching your head over that, what does that mean? This is what that means. When the police are absent from inner-city urban communities, violent crime spikes and a massively disproportionate number of killings take place in those communities. And the enormous majority of victims are black. Black lives are taken when police are gone. 
even when police don't resign, but just pull back and aren't as proactive in trying to police certain areas as they have to be when ordered to do so by ridiculous Obama-era consent decrees agreed and signed onto by people like Frank Jackson and the Cleveland City Council. When police can't police, an extraordinary amount of black lives are lost. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It's the Black Lives Matter organization that wants to abolish police and defund police, and they're chanting it and they're screaming it because they say Black Lives Matter. But it is so counter to the reality of the situation. I'll give you an example. 17 shootings over the weekend in Cleveland. We are now 21 homicides above the rate where we were this time last year. Things are getting worse. And still, 92% of the homicides in the city of Cleveland are black victims and black perpetrators. Do you you understand this? If you truly believe black lives matter, and I do, they do. Black lives absolutely matter because they're human lives. They're American lives. Of course black lives matter. But if you really want those lives to be saved, you'll stop screaming defund the police. You'll stop donating money to the organization Black Lives Matter. Because they are not helping save black lives. You want to save black lives in Cleveland? You want to save black lives in Minneapolis? You want to save black lives in Oklahoma City? In Portland, in Seattle? In Oakland, in New York? In Miami, in Atlanta? You want to save black lives? Fund the police. Stop attacking the police. Stop tying the hands of the police. Because the police are the only organization that has a chance to save those black lives. This isn't rocket science. 92% of the victims of, of homicide in Cleveland are black with black killers. Take the police out. I, I just asked Gary Wolski and Jay McDonald what, what, what policing in America looks like in five years. And they said far, far fewer police and far, far, far higher crime. Guess who the vast majority of the victims of that crime are going to be? They're going to be black lives. Not that there won't be an increase in victims uh, in white-on-white crime, too. Of course there will. If cops aren't around, bad people are going to do bad things no matter what color they are. But evidence and proof and history exists. Current history, that is, exists. That show that when the police are pulled away from cities like Baltimore and cities like Ferguson and cities like um, Los Angeles, when police are pulled back, violent crime spikes to an astronomical level and the victims are overwhelmingly African American, as are the perpetrators. If you care about black lives 
and I do, do not support Black Lives Matter. Do not support their calls for the defunding or the abolition of police, or you will be condemning black lives to being lost. Carol in Bedford on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for waiting, Carol. Go ahead. Carol, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I've got you now. Go right ahead. Um, I'm wondering, are we going to become a military state if Mm. if all these police departments are defunded? Well, you know, Carol, that is a very good question. Um, And I thank you for asking it. And my answer to to that would be, God, I hope not. But if that's what it takes to stop a violent crime wave from from sweeping through American cities, then it will have to be. It's not optimal. It's not what we want. We don't want American military to be policing the streets because we can't have police officers anymore. Um, but that if that's what that's what it takes carol thank you for the phone call if that's what it takes to to stem the tide of a of a huge wave of crime then that's what we have to do i don't want it to be that nobody wants to see the american military in american cities patrolling american streets but right now for example the police in seattle have been have been uh neutered they have been they have no power the police in Seattle have no power. The chief can't even get the mayor to agree to let her to go in to send people back in to retake the precinct that was overrun. So if the police can't do it, what? The president said, well, then I'll send in the military to do it. We don't want to do that. And by the way, I just got word uh, during our last break that it's starting in Portland now as well. There is a tweet in Portland from Andy No, the reporter in Portland who reports on Antifa and was viciously and violently assaulted by Antifa, covering one of their uh, extraordinary violent rallies. Andy No reporting, quote, rioters are grabbing whatever fencing they can find around downtown Portland to build their own autonomous zone. Hashtag Antifa. So you hear that? They're grabbing fencing to, to cordon off a portion of, C- of Portland the way that the uh, Seattle Antifa and anarchists did as well. And by the way, it should not be lost on anybody, once again, that they're grabbing fencing. Why? Because maybe, just maybe, walls do work. And every one of those hypocritical blanks that has screamed and called President Trump a racist for trying to put up a border wall down on our southern border and claiming it doesn't work, I hope every single one of them issues an apology. Of course, we know that'll never happen. The one thing that we have always known and have learned even more is that being liberal means never having to say you're sorry. Jay in Illyria on AM 1420, The Answer. Jay, go ahead. Good morning. You have opened such a buffet of topics this morning in the past hour and a half. I forgot what I originally called about. However, what I would like to say at this point, you asked Jay and Gary what you th- what they thought policing would look like in five years, and this is only one of the things I'd like to address. In okay. five years, if you if you compare in five years to the deceleration rate of law enforcement that we have seen in the past four weeks versus the rise of anarchy, what we will have in five years is Mad Max, period. That's what it will be. What needs to be done with regard to Seattle 
President Trump needs to send in the National Guard. The governor needs to remove that mayor from her office and restore that precinct to order and have the police captain come back and all the uniformed officers come back and take back those seven blocks summarily, instantly. The governor agrees with the mayor, though, Jay. Jay, Jay, the governor agrees with the mayor. The governor has told President Trump to buzz off. The gov- then I'm at a loss. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Me too. The deceleration rate is on the way now. Yeah, However, I mean, the, Governor Jay Inslee has been just as wild and radical and anti-Trump as the mayor of Seattle did. And both of them have said, no, we don't want your help and we don't want the military in our streets. No, leave us alone. And uh, we're having the summer of love and we're having a big block party. That's wow. what happens down there. I, I don't know. Um, this is this is. This is beyond stupid. The, the law enforcement establishment in this country needs to be supported. And, and this is what I think is going on. This isn't about Black Lives Matters. They're, they're the useful idiots in this country. They are the useful idiots that is being used by the anarchists that have been after this country since its inception. And I forgot right now because I'm getting a little bit upset. So I'll regroup. Who was the guy in 1951 that was calling out the communists in Hollywood and Washington? McCarthy. McCarthy. He's a national hero. He just happens to have been 60 years too soon. Everything he said is absolutely accurate. Well, it's it's coming to pass. It's happening now. Yeah, it really is coming to pass. Except, Except that he was trying to root out reds, if you will, um, that were hiding, and now they don't hide. Uh, Hollywood, 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 Hollywood communists, yeah, Hollywood communists and Antifa communists, yeah, they might wear masks, Antifa does, but, but they get on videos and they announce what their intentions are and who they are. They get on, they get on social media. Two days ago. What'd he say? De Niro came out on YouTube two days ago and started mouthing all of his nonsense. Well, he's been doing that for it a long time. He's he's been doing that for a long time, really since Trump since Trump I, was elected. and Niro has been doing that. I didn't I hear the most recent that. stuff. Jay, I got a jet. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. It's ten fifty. We'll take a quick time out and get a few more phone calls right after this on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Okay, 1053. We've got time for a few more phone calls. Uh, We're going to take them. I'm going to save the essay that was written by a UC Berkeley professor. I teased this at the beginning of the show, if you weren't here. Written by a UC Berkeley professor who happens to be a minority uh, in response to uh, what is happening on that campus and others and what is happening in American cities. The lies about Black Lives Matter the truth about what is really and truly happening in this country right now. I'll save that for tomorrow's show. Uh, Brooke Park, Ron, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Ron. Bob, I'll be quick. You know I like you. I've been listening to you since you've been on Cleveland Radio way back at the other station. Yes, sir. 99% of the time I agree with you, but you're doing the same thing, you and Jordan, the same thing that everybody else is doing. They know there's a problem. They're kicking the dirt, and they're saying, what do we do? Well, I'll tell you what you do, my friend. All right? You do the same thing that Eisenhower had to do for D-Day. You do the same thing that Roosevelt had to do after Pearl Harbor. You're going to have to take the SWAT team, go into that viper's nest in Seattle, and clean it out. Now, are people going to get hurt? Probably. Some might even die. Just like Roosevelt and just like Eisenhower knew that during their administrations and that. That's what it's going to take, just pussyfooting around 
and trying not to get anybody hurt and trying to be, you know, be proper and not offend anybody or do, you know, hurt anybody's feelings, those times are over with, Bob. It's time for, unfortunately, to break them eggs and make a few omelets. It is talking it to death is not going to cure it. They're not going to give up. You just brought up they're heading for Portland. That's no surprise to anybody. Then it's going to be Chicago. And pick your poison across the country. If you don't stifle it now and put a stop to it, it's like a cancer. It's going to grow. So are people going to get killed? Probably. I say so be it. Take care, my friend. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate your phone call. Listen, to be clear, I don't disagree with you. Um, I'm not for all pussyfooting around, as you call it, uh, in this in this situation. But what I am saying is, is how do I ask my officers to go and clear that, knowing people are going to get hurt and knowing that they then are going to be the ones that are going to be judged? Did they use enough force? Did they use the wrong amount of force, too much force, et cetera? Was there a safer way to do that? It, you know, this is the problem. You know, the, the only thing that I could really suggest, seriously, is to fight Antifa fire with, with Antifa fire. Put all of the officers that you send in to reclaim the city, and especially that precinct, in masks or 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 uh, uh, dark shielded uh, helmets, uh, so that nobody can see who they are and let their identities never be known. And announce ahead of time: Here we come. If you're still in that region by 6 p.m. on day X, um, all force will be used to clear it and to reclaim the police department, that precinct. And anybody who's still there and ready to fight knows that they may be indeed putting their life on the line. I'm with you, Ron, but I just want, I can't order that unless I know that my officers are going to be protected. I can't order that unless I know my officers are not going to be prosecuted for going in and doing what is necessary. That's my only concern. Um, Diane in West Park. Uh, Diane, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Okay, amen to that. Send, send in the troops. Send in the military. Let the police be second in line. Um, protect them. Let them fight together. We went from zero to 110 in 20 seconds with the mere threat of the Wuhan Chinese flu supposedly threatening our lives. Okay, so that no, not one life would be lost. We locked everything down, the workplace, the schools, the churches, the economy, the country. Now, what are we waiting for? Just tell us it's for our own good. Tell us it's for the good of our neighbors and family. Tell us that it's so that not one life will be lost, not one more life will be lost. And send in the troops. I wish I could own a gun. God bless America, and we can't wait. China's going to take us over by next summer if we do, if we don't move now. You know, you bring up a really, thank you, Diane. You bring up a very, very, very interesting point about China. We have enemies. Make no mistake, we have enemies around the world. We know what is going on with China. We know how tense things are, especially because they brought us the coronavirus uh, and so on and so forth. They would be very reticent to do anything to us or to try to harm us when we are at full strength. But if we are splitting down the middle because of racial tension in this country, fostered and fomented by lies in which police are the demons and the criminals and thugs, are the, the martyrs, if we allow ourselves to truly be, I mean, I, I don't like cliches, but sometimes they're just all you have and they're, and they're spot on. United, we will stand if we allow ourselves to be divided down the middle like this. We can be ripe for a fall. 
And that's when our enemies will indeed take advantage. Diane's right. So was so was uh, uh, Ron before her. So were Gary and Jay. We need bold, decisive, aggressive action if we're going to protect and defend this republic. I started my show by saying 2020 is going to be the year that 50 years from now, 70 years from now, 150 years from now, when children in history books look back and see what happened to the United States of America, they're going to say 2020 is when it fell apart. 2020 is when it was destroyed. And it's up to us to rewrite that history. Thank you to Jay McDonald. Thanks to Gary Wolski. Thanks to Jim Jordan, my guest. Thanks to you for listening and being a part of our show. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence.